Hello everyone, this is Igly with Equity Breakdown, where you'll find short, no bullshit overviews of public companies. Now, for all the time investors, before we begin our breakdown today, I'd like to thank our sponsors for the write-up, Masterworks. What's the only thing in every hedge fund titan's portfolio that you're probably not investing in? It's simple, art. In fact, 84% of ultra high net worth individuals collect art according to a 2019 Deloitte survey. And it makes sense. Contemporary art prices actually rose 13.6% per year from 1995 to 2020 versus the 8.9% returns from the S&P 500. And with the total art market expected to be around 1.7 trillion to 2.6 trillion by 2026, it's no wonder that the price of paintings has steadily risen. So I suggest you guys check out the New York startup Masterworks. They are at the center of it all. And they've actually fractionalized multi-million dollar masterpieces by a variety of artists here, and you can be part of it. If you're looking for an elite real asset class, check out Masterworks today. They've allowed Equity Breakdown subscribers to actually skip through their 25,000 person wait list with this link below. So click on that special link and check them out. Uh, I've actually checked them out myself and a wonderful platform and very cool concept and just it's another way to diversify your portfolio, guys. All right, so let's jump in now to our breakdown of the evening and the company that we're gonna look at today. We're all aware of the amazing accomplishments that SpaceX continues to deliver in transforming the new space economy. While there is a key leader in the $400 billion market, a series of players are entering the space after years of development regarding their space technology assets and services. Today, we will focus on Rocket Lab, one of the only two U.S. commercial companies delivering successful access to Earth's orbit. So what is Rocket Lab? Rocket Lab is a pure-play space company that offers end-to-end -end solutions that provide rockets, satellites, and assets supporting space infrastructure. They are one of the two companies, you guys already know the other one, that have delivered consistent launch services to orbit commercially in the U.S., you should check out here their story. It's pretty cool, actually. Now, we all know from the previous uh, breakdowns within the space economy that the market's around $368 billion, and it's expected to go to $1 trillion. Now, from Rocket Lab's perspective, they think they can operate in around $62 billion, so about 16.8% market share, essentially, would be their total addressable market. And it's composed of three things here. The launch sector, which is around $10 billion, especially with small satellite constellations. They're about 83% of the demand is gonna be driven from them for launches by 2028. Space systems, which is around 20 billion. So think of growth regarding small satellite constellations for earth observations and telecommunication applications and defense applications as well. And space applications, which is around 32 billion. And this is essentially the demand to connect the entire world and data management and analytics that comes from the ability to retrieve that data. So connectivity and data. Uh, those essentially are the new oil as it's coming around now. So with that, what are the company's strategic resources? Well, in six years, the company has achieved 18 launches to space, 97 satellites deployed to orbit, three launch pads built, two mission control centers as well. And now, let us take a look at some of these specific technologies. So the first one here is the Electron rocket. So this is a reusable carbon composite rocket 
which is powered by the world's first 3D printed rocket engine and first electric pump-fed rocket. On top of that, it's had 16 successful orbital launches, it's deployed 97 satellites across three launch pads, and has 132 launch opportunities a year. It's also delivered 180 3D printed engines to space and has a 600 pound payload capacity. The kick stage allows for precision and unique orbits of satellites. So unlike a traditional, uh, well, I wouldn't call it a traditional rocket, but think of SpaceX, for example, and the ride sharing. Uh, if I'm a particular customer and I want my, my satellite to be at a specific orbit and location, well, uh, with ride sharing, that's very difficult to accomplish. So the Electron rocket becomes that primary component regarding these small launch deployments. Now, the launch infrastructure. So the company has Launch Complex 1, which is located in New Zealand, and Launch Complex 2, which is located in Virginia in the U.S., so 132 launch slots annually. It's the world's private licensed orbital launch site and the ability for 24 launch regarding defense and constellation needs are available. So that infrastructure is very important. The other component here is a neutron rocket. So this is a medium sized rocket with an eight ton load capacity, which is around 220 satellites per launch. It's tailored for defense and constellation satellite launches, and the rocket is also capable of human space flight and a crew resupplied for the International Space Station. And then the other two components are the Photon, which is an in-orbit satellite spacecraft bus that delivers assistance for specific missions for payloads, power, propulsion, and communications. And the company has a low Earth orbit and an interplanetary design one as well, too. And they currently just launched their uh, low Earth orbit photon uh, up in space successfully as well, I uh, believe, uh, earlier uh, in 2020. And the other final component is a satellite uh, components here. So the company has secured its supply chain of satellites and spacecraft with components like reaction wheels and star trackers. So essentially, you can track your satellites here using the star constellations that are out there. They incorporate these components in, other, in their own products, but they can also sell them separately to uh, other companies in, related in the space economy. Now, in terms of like developing these resources, the Neutron rocket is actually costing them around $200 million in order to meet the demand for Constellation satellites. The company is also planning to build the factory close to where uh, they're going to launch the Neutron rocket to avoid and minimize any transportation uh, costs that are associated with it. And fundamentally, to protect its resources, they actually have six registered patents in aircraft, aviation, and cosmonautics categories. So I want you guys to also think about this. The supply chain component, especially when it comes to space companies, is very hard, very time-consuming, very costly. So anyone that can come in and reduce costs by streamlining and removing any friction will have a significant advantage. And speaking of that, now let's look at the customer landscape and partnerships. Well, the company has conducted 18 missions for more than 20 organizations. 50% of its customer base is commercial and the rest is divided between civil at 20% and defense at 30%. So we're talking about NASA, they did two missions, DARPA, one mission, Air Force and Space Force, and also competitors like Planet, uh, three missions, Black Sky, two missions, Inspire, two missions. Uh, so you can see here that while they're also penetrating into the satellite space, uh, you do have competitors that utilize them for launch services because they don't have those capabilities. 
In 2020, the company acquired Sinclair Interplanetary, which manufactures small sat components. So this is also important to understand, especially when it comes to them trying to control the entire supply chain process. So that acquisition hints in terms of what uh, Rocket Lab is trying to accomplish. So from that, let's look at what their financial performance is uh, and their business model. So they didn't go too heavily deep into their business model, but gathering a couple of resources, uh, we can fairly assume that majority of the revenue is driven by contracts uh, that are going to be awarded for specific launch missions. And then uh, because of their small reusable rockets, they can deliver cost-effective launches for small payloads. Now, CNBC also reported that the company's Electron rockets are priced at $7 million per launch. And when we look at their performance, out of the SPACs, they're actually producing some revenue here. So 2020, they had 35 million, and they're expected by 2025 to get close to 749 million. So the company is expected to hit 69 million this year, actually, and they have 2.2 billion in the pipeline. So you can see here that they have substantial revenue growth uh, forecasted, as well as uh, currently today, they do have uh, expected revenue and uh, guaranteed within their pipeline as well, assuming all factors go well uh, in the future. Uh, from a profit perspective, they're not profitable. They're actually expected to be profitable by 2023 and around 2025, they're expecting to hit 22% margin, which accounts to $168 million roughly. Uh, in terms of uh, free cash flow, they also are not uh, free cash flow positive, uh, and they're expected to be free cash flow positive by 2024, to give you guys a perspective. And uh, by 2025, hit 149 million, which is around 88% of EBITDA. Uh, and they're currently valued, and from an enterprise value perspective, at 4.1 billion. And post the SPAC merger that's happening, 82% uh, of the company ownership will reta be retained by existing Rocket Lab shareholders. Now, beyond this, you can see here that they are showing some significant uh, growth projections. Uh, and improvement and operational efficiencies as well too. So all these are positive signs, but again, there are forecasts. Now, what is a company planning to accelerate, to continue to accelerate the growth? Well, the merger is for one. They're gonna be fueled with $745 million in cash, which is gonna go straight to uh, helping produce a neutron rocket and all the infrastructure that's accounted for that, as well as uh, pursue supply chain acquisitions. So they are going to be heavily involved. Uh, a strong component of their growth will be in terms of acquisitions with other strategic players that will help them streamline the entire uh, production of rockets and other components that come with it. Now, from a technology perspective, yeah, you know, the demand for Constellation satellites is expanding, so they need to pursue the completion of the Neutron rocket, which will have capacity of 220 satellites per launch, and they're expected to have that completed by 2024. And finally, from a business channel perspective here, so the company will heavily invest in expanding their space system capabilities, utilizing personal satellites for services required by companies. So not only are they going to be involved in launch capabilities, but they also are going to be producing their own satellites. And then once those satellites are in orbit, utilize them for services required by companies in particular missions. Now, to accomplish this, they have some three key strategic modes, and it's technology, vertical integration, and team leadership. So from a technology perspective, we've already highlighted that they're pioneering 3D technology in the production of its rockets, hence why uh, you have, um, when it comes to the space uh, industry, uh, 3D technology is critical 
this is why ARK Invest is also heavily uh, betting on the 3D space to come out and uh, support the space industry as well. Now, of course, they built the first, the world's first 3D printed engine rocket, uh, and so far have conducted 18 successful missions. So on top of that, they also provide satellite technology and components that are capable for low Earth and interplanetary plan applications. So you can see here that they're top notch when it comes to their technology assets. From a vertical integration perspective, they control 90% of its production of rockets, satellites, space components, and launch sites. They want to ensure that the company has no friction when it comes to supply chain process. So this allows the company to achieve efficient unit economics and ensure low cost launches in the market. And finally, from a team leadership perspective, the company is led by veterans in space with experience from SpaceX, NASA, Air Force, Intel, and Broadcom. They're equipped with a team that understands scalability, space technology, and also operational effectiveness. But there are some key risks here. And the top three that stick out to me, are, of course, are competition. So the company's key competitor is SpaceX, who is certainly far ahead. They can carry heavier payload. They dominate the satellite constellation market. Um, they lead market share in Earth's orbit and possess similar reusable rocket technology. In fact, they're the only ones that truly have reusable rocket technology as of today. Uh, Rocket Lab ha can can reuse the rock, the, especially the boosters that come out from the rockets, uh, by essentially utilizing parachute and uh, and slowing down the speed of the descend uh, when it's coming down through orbit, and then catching it with a helicopter. Um, but it does not have that vertical uh, drop that happens uh, where it lands in an ocean platform like we've seen with SpaceX. And then you also have other players such as Astra, Virgin Orbit, and Relativity Space. They're all entering into the medium uh, lift rocket space to feed the rising demand for Constellation satellites. The other risk is the neutron rocket production. So this is a heavy capital intensive project that they're just starting. They're early on in the phase here. Uh, on top of that, uh, they have to redesign the rocket to ensure that its first stage booster lands vertically in an ocean platform like SpaceX. Uh, currently, like I said, the Electron rocket does not do that. Um, so that could certainly require a lot of resources testing and potential failures too that come along with it. And finally, the supply chain process. Well, the space supply chain is fragile. Any delays from customers that are building satellites to be launched will impact revenue from Rocket Lab. So these aren't... Uh, assets that are very quickly built and designed and you have vast uh, infrastructure to increase volume production of them like vehicle car vehicles and so forth uh, they're highly specialized uh, requirements and talent and resources to build the appropriate infrastructure to hit that point so we're getting there but a long way from that now from a team DNA and vision perspective. Well, Peter Beck is the CEO, founder, and chief engineer. So Peter is a visionary founder and engineer whose passion for building rockets actually started from childhood. Prior, uh, he worked at industrial research focusing on smart materials, composite, and superconductors, and then he essentially became the founder of Rocket Lab. So this is a guy that actually had a passion for rockets since childhood. Um, he's not a trained aerospace engineer of sorts. Uh, I would say it's hard to compare him to Elon Musk uh, because, of course, you know, Elon Musk is Elon Musk. But from the uh, isolated within the space industry, I would put him in that category in terms of just his enthusiasm and uh, deep knowledge and self-taught abilities to actually penetrate within the space. So 
It, it puts him in that respectable stature. And of course, we have Adam Spice, the CFO. Now, he's a key component here because, as I mentioned, the company is going to achieve uh, acquisitions uh, to maintain their growth and also bring in uh, players and solidify themselves in the market. Uh, so you need a very experienced CFO who's done that. And um, he was a CFO of Max Linear, and he scaled the company from $70 million to $421 million with 20 years of finance experience. And finally, you have Vector Capital Team. So this company, that's essentially where the SPAC merger is happening. It's a 25-year track record with $3 billion of capital under management. It's a PE firm. And they've had 100-plus tech company acquisitions. So they're very well experienced when it comes to uh, acquisitions, understanding how to scale and achieve operational efficiencies. And overall, the company has around 530 employees with 200 engineers, so around 40% of the workforce is engineers. So again, it gives you a confidence in the talent that this team has because in the space industry, you need talent. Uh, you need engineers, you need scientists, uh, and once specifically specialized in various different stages of building the technologies they have. So overall, guys, I'll summarize our insights here. So Tess Hatch, partner at Bessemer Ventures, she highlights that when it comes to space companies, there are two key indicators that identify success, launch vehicles and satellites. As an investor, you want to look at the number of launches and the number of satellites that are deployed to space. When it comes to satellites, you want to look at how many assets are in orbit and the type of sensors that are equipped in the satellites. So that gives you a perspective of how a professional investor is, is uh, viewing the space industry. So. SpaceX is actually the first U.S. commercial company to lead the number of launches and satellite deployments in space. The second one to follow is Rocket Lab, with 18 launches to space and 97 satellites deployed in orbit. Rocket Lab has not only proven technology, but they have backed it up with execution and efficiency. The other component here is the company uh, promises launch-on-demand services, frequent launches, tailored orbits, and the ability for the customer to control their schedule. It's like your personal concierge. You call them up and uh, you got a rocket. <laughs> and they are also separating themselves from the ride-sharing concept, and as a result, the customer can expect a $7 million price tag. Now, unlike some of the other SPACs, the company is actually generating revenue and has $2.2 billion in the pipeline for expected missions. Um, and some of these missions are, for example, NASA gave them the capstone mission to the moon in 2021 with the Artemis project that's happening. So essentially, they, they're supporting the moon orbiting outpost. Um, they have a private mission to Venus to search for life, evidence of life, uh, and then mission to Mars to deliver a satellite that studies the Martian atmosphere. So the company shows performance, pure and simple. The other component here is Rocket Lab also sees a demand for small satellites. To meet this, they're planning on creating that mid-sized rocket with the capability to carry 220 satellites. That puts it in similar competitive pace with SpaceX. Um, so that would be a game changer for them if they're able to accomplish that by 2024. Overall, Rocket Lab has the infrastructure to conduct small, more frequent, and economically viable launches. The company is aiming to fully integrate across its entire supply chain and beyond launches offer a full package to customers involving satellites. Currently, they own one in orbit uh, that they successfully launch personally themselves and other space components. But it's important as an investor to also understand the risks here. 
and you're operating in a high capital intensive industry. So the design of the Neutron rocket will be from scratch to ensure the vertical landing of the boosters like SpaceX. So currently the company recovers its rockets from the sky using parachutes and helicopters and snatch them. So again, understand that component. The supply chain is also fragile and as a result, full of delays from reliable customers with substantial contracts. This can put financial pressure on Rocket Lab, especially with the regulatory obligations that come from being a public company. And the other final component here is the space market is also attracting a series of other companies that will be able uh, to operate in the small to mid-sized launch sector. Astra is one that comes to mind in which they have been marketing a Model T type production of rockets and launch pads that could be produced within months. So when you guys look at space companies, understand this. The supply chain process is complicated. Talent is also key, but rare. Uh, you don't have <laughs> aerospace engineers uh, as much as you have software engineers out there. On top of that, you have to understand that it requires a lot of money to build these rockets. So any company that can come out and can prove, and by prove meaning they've actually shown they can go to space, They've actually shown that they have a reliable products that they can repeat this and produce a successful business model from. Then I would pay attention to everything else. I'm just going to respectfully call BS. So from that, I hope you guys always stay incurably curious. If you like the content, please make sure to share this newsletter, share this post, follow me on Twitter and or subscribe if you have not already. And if you guys want to check out some of these other additional sources, I recommend you do um, check them out below. On to the next company tomorrow. And uh, thank you guys for your support. Have a great night.